Welcome to the Modern MBA podcast with Marie Kerwin and Kristen Rossi. Our mission is to help MBAs coming from, going into, or merely considering more unorthodox career paths. We're a community to find inspiration and share stories. Today we're speaking with Jolie Duhon, who after a career working in hospitality, did her MBA at Duke's Fuqua School of Business, which she then used to land a role in loyalty partnerships with American Airlines. My name is Jolie Duhon. I am from Louisiana. I was born and raised in Baton Rouge, uh, Louisiana. And then uh, shortly after Hurricane Katrina, I relocated to Las Vegas, where I completed my undergrad at UNLV, and then um, kind of went into work on the Strip. But I got my MBA from Duke, um, from the Fuqua School of Business in Durham, North Carolina. And I'm a graduate of class of 2020. And yeah. You've had roles across a variety of sectors and functions before joining American Airlines. Can you walk us through your career path to date? Sure. So as I mentioned, um, I graduated from UNLV in Las Vegas uh, from undergrad, and I had wanted to, I had always wanted to be in the restaurant industry. Um, And I had met someone who said, well, if you want to be in the restaurant industry and you are not yet done with undergrad, like you should transfer to UNLV. It has the best, you know, state school program um, for hospitality. And so I followed that advice, uh, went to Vegas. I only had about a year and a half left of school. So I enrolled in 2007 and graduated in 2008 and um, started working immediately along the Las Vegas Strip in a restaurant management capacity. Um, worked my way up. I worked in several different restaurant or several different properties. Um, I started my career in MGM Grand. I moved. I was promoted to um, a leadership position in room service um, for at that time the largest hotel in the world, um, which is pretty neat. And then um, went to other restaurant capacities. And throughout time, I gained a specialty in opening restaurants um, as the opening general manager. And what that basically means is it's a high-intensity, project-driven role. You're brought in usually between three and six months prior to opening. You're interfacing with the creators or the leadership in whatever capacity, whether that's the owners or the leadership in the hotels. Um, you're collaborating with um, marketing and advertising. And if it's a first to market restaurant, you're really getting it off the ground from there. Um, and so it's, it was just a very interesting role. I think after many years of doing that, both in Las Vegas and Los Angeles, um, the industry sort of started to wear on me and I started to think about different options. I really wanted to view business from a 30,000 foot view. And I felt like day to day, I was too much in the weeds. There was not enough strategy or not enough long-term planning involved for me. Um, So that's when I first started thinking about going back to business school. And um, I had my sights set on kind of like the top 20 U.S. business schools and spoke with literally hundreds of people prior to school and prior to applications, um, I felt like I was at a disadvantage because I was a quote-unquote non-traditional candidate. I didn't come from either an Ivy League school for undergrad, nor did I come from like a traditional industry that usually filters into business school. So I felt like I was at a disadvantage and I used that mindset to really um, speak with so many people and get 
a holistic perspective. But one of the pieces of advice that I received in in my 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 path was that business schools don't want someone like you with your background, with your um, you know, with your a atypical non-traditional background. And I took that to heart. So I changed course and I wanted to have a position on my resume that said, like, I'm ready for grad school. You can, like, trust me. Even though I've been in kind of this industry that's maybe not, like, hard business skills, I can handle the rigor of an MBA program. I applied for a job with an entrepreneur in St. Louis, which is where my parents lived at the time. And um, he hired me to be an analyst for his restaurant assets. I had several failing restaurants and he wanted to know what to do with them, how to change them. So it was a 12-month engagement where basically I was a consultant just for restaurants. And from there, I was recommended to a different type of role. I worked for a boutique wine distributor in St. Louis, learning some of the sides of wholesaling and retailing. And that was really a fascinating role for me. Um, I had a leadership position to where I was sort of like a controller, um, minus some of the accounting functions, which was headed. It was a small business, so the accounting functions were really headed by our um, CFO for hire at the time. So it was just a really interesting business. And it was at that time where I was like, I really, like I'm ready for business school. I'm ready to learn that 30,000 foot view. Think about industries you know, from that high and find the commonalities between different industries. Because at that time, I had really only been in food and beverage. And I felt like maybe that was a handicap, but maybe it would allow me to express a specialty prior to getting into school and then really relate those commonalities to different industries coming out of school. That's brilliant. That's great. And actually, there's so many things I could, I wanted to touch on. But one I really like, um, your analogy of the 30,000 foot view and, you know, being in the weeds. And that's a really nice picture that you created there. So it's really, your career path's really interesting. Can, and you talk to us really about why you, you know, why you, your steps to getting to the MBA. Can you kind of elaborate more on uh, your MBA? Why, why you really wanted to do that? Why you were so set on that? And then how you actually chose your program? I was really excited by, the prospect of segueing into a different industry with the skills that I had. And prior to an MBA, I don't know that I had the confidence to do that. So to me, the MBA seemed kind of like a change agent, if you will. And then specifically, I chose Duke. I, As I mentioned, I, I spoke to hundreds of people. Um, so I throughout the, you know, the vetting process. Um, for three years, I went to the same event, the like weekend for women at several schools. Um, I really like took my time in deciding. I took my time in taking the GMAT. Um, and I, throughout the process, um, I had hired a consultant to help me um, prepare my business school applications. And she was a Duke alum and she was like, you know what, I've seen a lot of candidates come across my desk and I've seen a lot of people who, you know, were perfect fits for the programs that they chose. She's like, I really think 
that you should consider Duke because I really think that they are looking for women like you. And so I went to the women's weekend at Duke two years in a row and um, really loved the experience. Um, It just seemed like there were such polished people there, such really incredible, um, incredibly friendly people, incredibly engaging people. And um, ultimately, like, I think that was the determining factor. when all was said and done, I was really weighing between two schools. And I think just with the rankings and the the community that I engaged with at both schools, um, and then of course, scholarship money that plays into it as well, Duke was just the best fit for me. So I guess we'll talk a, bit, a little bit more now about the MBA program and the experience. So what was your experience like on the course during COVID-19? And then also, which classes did you find most helpful, including extracurricular activities? Uh, Duke is a two-year, or the program that I went to, the full-time program, is a two-year program. Um, so COVID didn't actually hit, into, and we do semesters as uh, terms as opposed to semesters. So every year has four terms. So we were in our final term when COVID hit, and I had... A unique circumstance, I was on a Duke um, trip in Israel during the break between our third and our fourth term that year, and we ended up, um, I ended up contracting COVID and being quarantined in a hospital in Israel for 23 nights. So at that point, um, uh, we had switched to online classes, and with the time difference and kind of the malaise of being stuck in a hospital, I didn't want to take classes, and I, at that point, didn't need to. Um, I had completed all of my requirements prior to that term, um, so I had really planned to take it easy that term, learn how to golf, um, you know, <laughs> like engage with a lot of the outgoing things that include, you know, in your second year. Now, my prior seven terms at Fuqua were fabulous, and I took a ton of classes that I really loved and really, um, you know, opened my eyes to other facets of business. Um, so particularly, and I'll give a shout out, but, um, there's a professor, a tax, uh, professor at, or rather an accounting professor at Fuqua who, uh, specializes in tax accounting. Um, and he also teaches managerial accounting. His name's Scott Dyering and, uh, had a wonderful, I took both of his classes, um, really loved him as a professor and felt like tax accounting was something that I probably wouldn't like have an opportunity to learn about or really consider on my career path. And so I took the MBA as an opportunity to learn whatever I wanted to learn or like take whatever I wanted to take. We're not pass fail, unfortunately. Um, we're on a, a GPA system, but I really took classes that I knew were way above my head to where I was treading water most of the time just because I wanted to see what that was like. I took um, a data analytics for business class, which, um, you know, was extremely challenging. I took a pricing class, which was pretty challenging, um, strategy implementation. And so all of these classes, whereas they may not have been you know, I may not have gotten 
a full comprehension of the subject matter, it did expose me enough to be like, oh, this is really interesting. I know, like I have a little bit of a baseline if I want to go on and learn about this on a different forum after school. Absolutely. I couldn't, I really, I couldn't agree more with that approach. I think it really, the MBA year, in in my opinion, should be used, uh, or the two years should be used to kind of go into those areas where you're probably not going to have the opportunity to really get, to really tackle it in the future. Um, Or maybe that you've never tackled before. I think it's a really nice approach. Yeah. And I definitely took that approach, not only with school, but also with my career. I had an internship during the summer that was more for me checking off something that I didn't want to do rather than checking off something I did want to do. Um, So uh, yes, for me, and I always recommend um, use the MBA as really an exploratory time um, that will allow you to just kind of see if you like something, see if you want to invest more time in it in the future. How did you decide what you wanted to do to do after the course? And what were the biggest challenges you faced in securing your post-MBA role? I guess in the same vein of like explore everything, that was kind of one of my challenges was narrowing down the scope of what I actually wanted to do. Um, I probably applied to 30 positions um, for my internship. And I think one of the biggest challenges just in the MBA in general is stamina and making sure that you are prepared and like when you decide on something that you have enough energy to go after that full force. Um, So I would say like, you know, self-care, self-health or self, you know, mental health, all of those are really important factors that you don't think about, but in your MBA in general, can be so overwhelming that having really a strong network that's beyond your business school, all of those things are are very important. So you ask kind of how did I narrow my search or like what was the search like? Um, We have a two-year program. So the whole first year or rather the whole six months of school is dedicated to finding that internship during the summer. Then you have the summer and you either get a return offer or get an early offer or don't. And then you need to re-recruit or accept a previous offer. So I use the summer as an opportunity to do something that I um, wasn't sure if I would like or not. Uh, So I, um, I was a corporate finance intern at PepsiCo in Dallas, Texas, and I, I guess I'm a little bit unique in that I really targeted companies based on location, not necessarily the function, not necessarily the function. Um, so I knew I liked Texas and I knew I wanted to be south where it was warm. And so Pepsi was a wonderful opportunity and a great fit for the summer, but the role wasn't a great fit for me. Um, and throughout the summer and throughout my project, I really determined like this isn't something that gets me going. It's not something that really excites me. And so when I came back to to Duke in the fall, I started re-recruiting heavily for more of those operational focused roles, operational and strategic. I mean, the the finance internship at Pepsi was a strategic internship, but not as much as, say, a pure strategy role. I spread the gamut of what types 
of companies I was interested in based on whether or not I had a positive interaction. Could I envision myself working with people like that long term? Yeah, that's so important. And then can I can I ask then also, how did you tell your story to make that change so that you know that you got the role at American Airlines? How did you tell the story so that it resonated with them too? I think it's a different strategy depending on every company that you, you know, apply to. Um, For American Airlines specifically, um, my story, I think, revolved a a lot around helping people celebrate, helping people live their best life in, in hospitality, helping people, especially my time in Vegas, helping people, um, you know, have a good time and relax. And I feel like the mission of American Airlines is very similar. Um, so I was able to really relate those two. Another example is like Amazon. I had applied to an operational role in one of their fulfillment centers. And I was offered that role, but I think it was based on being able to connect the logistics piece of what I had done and orchestrating so many different moving pieces um, for the different projects that I had worked on in the past. And so I think drawing those parallels of, you know, having this massive project that you need to get off the ground or like this fulfillment center with lots of different moving pieces and lots of people needing to be you know, in their stations, et cetera. I think that was the commonality um, that really resonated with them. Do you have any CV tips that you found really helpful during your search that helped you stand out? Before every interview, at least for positions that I was offered, I would sit there and be like, what do I truly like about this company? Because I think that recruiters and people within the organizations are able to tell when you are just making something up. Um, It's not authentic. It's not spoken from the heart. And as silly and trite as that may sound, I think that's the difference. Um, So, you know, if you are endlessly curious like me, then, you know, make that apparent if there's something about the company that you really you know, love and and really that's a deciding factor for you, like communicate that. I would say just being as authentic to what you really want as possible. And then that always comes through. The next question is more related to actually the airline industry. Um, So it's no secret that the airline industry is facing some challenging times. And if you can tell us a little bit, how do you manage such an ambiguous and dynamic situation? Well, I would say that is one of my great joys in life is bringing structure to things, to ambiguous problems. Um, And that's what I've, you know, done in all of my past roles. Um, I was hired in a large part to, you know, manage these restaurants because as they're taking shape, you need someone to hire the right people and you need someone to do those training manuals so that they're structured to training, et cetera. So that is something that really excites me. Um, I have been through a bad recession in 2008, working 2008, 9, and 10, working in Las Vegas in a very, you know, temperamental industry um, during a really rough economic time. And that was exciting for me. And so I 
it's exciting now. It's scary, yes, because there is a lot of ambiguity around job security and health of the organization or you know health of the industry in total, how much assistance we're going to get long term, et cetera, et cetera. But at least the work that I'm doing right now, it seems very exciting. Um, so when I was hired at American Airlines, I was supposed to go into revenue management. Um, and then about <clears throat> midway through my waiting period, my job had gotten deferred um, to January of 2021. But in August, I received a call saying that um, there was a leader in the loyalty organization who saw my resume as an MBA, an incoming MBA, and wanted to offer me a job in loyalty prior to starting with revenue management. And I'm so glad I took that opportunity because it's just so much different and the loyalty organization, well, our loyalty program, our Advantage program was put as collateral towards a loan that we got from the U.S. government. So it's saying that this asset, this loyalty asset is worth so much that we're we're leveraging it. And to be part of that organization that is now like proving out the worth of this asset and proving and, and improving the asset like all the time is really, really exciting to me. Yeah, and actually, I feel like from what you've said, actually, the, the elements that were that are in the air at the moment have really played to your strengths, or you've you've used your you, those strengths that you have really if they fit together, you know, you can use your strengths to tackle them. I get to do something different all the time and every day, and I'm communicating with my my partners, um, you know, as to different programs we want to do, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like it's so fun that every day is is a different kind of business challenge. Brilliant. That's wonderful. Great. Well, then so the final question is, what advice do you have for others in your position? And, and what I mean by what we mean by that is um, who've come from really a non-traditional background wanting to, to make a change as you've done. Learn as much as you can. Be insatiably curious. Ask a ton of questions of a ton of people, even if you don't like the answer at least you have a different perspective than you did before. And maybe, you know, you have different knowledge that will help you assess an opportunity. Be involved in as many things, especially during the MBA, as you want to, because it's a very, very low stakes um, environment. You can literally fail a class and it's not going to ruin your life. You can, you know, not get a job offer to return and it's not going to ruin your life. So I would really, that's something actually that I had to talk myself into for a long time during my MBA. Um, but yeah, try everything and ask tons of questions. Um, I got involved in several different clubs and organizations, um, which I felt like helped diversify my intake of information because you might be surprised by where your skills are transferable and where your um, background is really valuable. Um, you were saying that this role sounds like it aligns, and it really does. I would have never known that if I wasn't expressing you know, interest in learning about other parts of even American Airlines. That's all from today's Modern MBA podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Marie. 
If you like this episode, remember to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. You can get access to articles and more great content by visiting our website, themodernmba.co.uk, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at The Modern MBA, and Twitter at MBA Modern. And aside from Apple Podcasts, you can also listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next time, bye. Bye. Thank you.